Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors hammered the really bad Houston Rockets. Those Rockets, that was their 18th loss in a row. I had no idea that they were this bad. Clearly, they're tanking for a top three, top five pick, and most likely they're going to get it. I was like, who are these dudes? I knew maybe two of those guys on that team, but hey, they're young. They're committed to future development, I guess. Uh, They have some young athletic guys, and they played hard, but they just are not not very good NBA players, not very good NBA team at this point, which is exactly what the Warriors needed, right? They'd run into six very good playoff teams in the West and came out one and five, and so they need... A couple of uh, of softies, I suppose. A couple things first. Man, Steph getting hurt, falling on his tailbone, that was kind of annoying. At first, I was a little irritated, and I guess maybe I still am, that none of the Houston Rockets coaches tried to catch him or break his fall, especially the dude in the first row. He just kind of shied away from Steph. I mean... You know, maybe it's just like they're so focused on the game. It's a bang, bang type thing. And all these social distancing, COVID behaviors and protocols and stuff, maybe instinctually people just don't try to interact or come in contact or touch each other or whatever. But there's like these steps on the ground, you know, and people are going to trip and fall over them. And you just figure that like, hey, you know, like you're falling backwards, you're going backwards let me try to slow you down or brace your fall or whatever but it wasn't until he was pretty much like smack dab ass on the ground that any of the Rockets coaches or staff members did anything seemingly Steph isn't hurt that badly hopefully he's not out for very long because that would really just suck and I'm actually surprised that this hasn't happened more often that players haven't gotten hurt falling over backwards because there's so many gaps on the sidelines these days in a regular game there is no space right like they jam up every space with like a chair a fan a coach a seat so someone's going to catch you but in this case it's just steps and metal steps if you've ever fallen on your tailbone even just like (laughs) getting the chair pulled out from under you in grade school or something as a joke as a prank that shit hurts. So falling on a metal step as a grown man, 6'3", 190 pounds, that hurts even more, I'm sure. Who knows? Maybe someone else has experienced something like this in the league, but I don't really watch other teams that much. And obviously someone as high profile as, as Steph, that's kind of a bigger deal. But like I said, it seems like he's going to be okay. Maybe he'll miss a game or two. I have no idea. I don't think the team does just yet, but fingers crossed. If that's the case, then maybe we'll see Nico Mannion in the starting lineup. Maybe we'll see Brad Wanamaker in the starting lineup just so they can keep the rotations intact. Also, there was no James Wiseman nor Eric Paschal in this game because of COVID protocols This wasn't their fault. They had dinner with the coaching staff and trainers or whatever. And I guess 
someone came in contact with someone with COVID and just following the protocols. But that really sucks because both of those dudes could have used this game, a game where they were playing a team full of younger guys that they could just work over on the court. You know, Eric Pascal's bully ball game would have been great against these young dudes. And particularly James Wiseman, I mean, with his up and down season, again, total faith in the kid, but with his up and down season and some of the rough patches in the past couple of games, he really needed to feast on some team. And this would have been the perfect one to kind of make him, you know, give everybody that feel good vibe about him again, show some of his potential and make people realize like, yeah, hey, I'm the right pick. And it would have just been fun to have some more highlights from him in that respect. But, you know, those guys are going to be out for, I think, seven days. And that that sucks, man. I think Kareth Burke on Twitter last night said something about how, you know, he's from Tennessee. He's playing against Memphis, and he would have been at least playing in his home state. I don't know if fans are allowed in Memphis, but regardless, just like that vibe of playing two back-to-back games Friday and Saturday in your home state would have been kind of cool for him. And now he has to miss it. And most likely both those dudes will just fly back to the Bay area. That's kind of a bummer. And particularly because this coming week, the schedule is definitely softer. I mean, they just smacked Houston. They get Memphis twice. They get Philly, which is a good team. That's a national TNT game, but they won't have Joel Embiid. And then they get sack next Thursday. That might be the game that they come back for. And then Atlanta, Chicago, a Miami team that's still struggling, Toronto, Atlanta again. And then they run to the Bucks on April 6th. So those are all games that are, you know, if not winnable, uh, really, really easily competitive. So as long as they're not all out with tailbone and COVID issues. Jordan Poole continues to impress me and again i'm more 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 than happy to take the l on this i have been saying that i don't think he's an nba player he doesn't do anything great anything special i was saying that as a shooter michael Mulder's better as a general defender and utility guy jta is better but i just don't think that we saw this version of jordan Poole ever. Steve Kerr keeps saying that Jordan Poole is making quicker decisions and that they're trying to get him to make decisions in like a second, half a second or whatever. And that actually is interesting to me because one thing I have been saying is that he doesn't seem as athletic and he couldn't get to his spots and all this stuff. And one thing that helps is if you move quickly, you know, and if you get the ball and you go, you know, you don't hold it and let a defender kind of size you up, get comfortable, kind of scan uh, if there's any screens coming, all that stuff. And if he just gets it, goes, makes a decision, whether it's a drive, whether it's a shot, whether it's a step back, whether he just passes it off, moves, whatever. So I'm sure that's helping a ton. You know, I think if he gets stronger for next season and works on all this stuff, he'll be even better. I didn't see this coming, you know. So more power to him. I mean, that's that's great. And the Warriors are definitely seeing what they have in both Poole and Nico Mannion. Again, Nico Mannion, love what that guy does with an offense, just runs the team. And this will definitely help them make decisions in the coming week 
I mean, for the longest time, the, the trade deadline felt so far away, and now it's next week. Weird. I mean, will we see Kelly Oubre on the Warriors after next week? Who knows? One thing I also just wanted to point out is that the T-Wolves have been playing a little bit better since the All-Star break. Maybe they're unleashing Anthony Edwards a little bit more. Maybe they're getting more cohesion. Maybe the coach was able to get a better handle on the team and implement some things. I don't know. But this is interesting because they're still at the bottom of the league in terms of record, and they're still trending towards being the worst team. But there's a chance that they could end up being better than Detroit, better than Houston, maybe better than Orlando. And this is important because a couple things. I mean, as long as they're one of the three worst teams, they still have a 40% chance of being in the top three, right? So that means the Warriors would still have a 60% chance of getting uh, their pick. They'd still have a 12% chance of getting the fourth pick if Minnesota falls like last, second to last, or third to last. But but the thing is, if they're last, that Minnesota pick is guaranteed to be between one and five, right? Just like the Warriors was last draft. If they fall to the second worst team in the league, then they have a 20% chance of getting the sixth pick, right? And then if they fall to third worst team in the league, they have a 26% chance of getting the sixth pick and then a 7% chance of getting the seventh pick. So just something to point out, another reason why we want the Timberwolves to tank, because if the odds of getting the pick at all this year is going to be the same, regardless of whether or not Minnesota falls one through three, worst to the third worst record in the league, we want them to finish as the worst team, because at least that puts us in the four or five, no matter what, assuming it conveys, right? And that's where the draft prospects go from like tier one to maybe tier three, you know, or tier two, whatever. Just something to point out, something to keep an eye on, on the Wolves watch. And that's the thing too, like the Wolves, they have talent, right? They have Anthony Edwards. They have Carl Anthony Towns. They'll get D'Lo back, Malik Beasley back. They have a bunch of young guys and they could sneak up on somebody, you know, and I'm not talking about them making the playoffs or challenging for anything important. I'm just talking about like eking out a couple wins here and there. Like if they're only like a game, two games behind Detroit, Houston, Orlando, that's a big deal, especially after seeing this Houston team tonight. And if they're tanking and Detroit, they just traded Blake Griffin, who wasn't giving them much, but Think about it. Who else is on that team? I mean, the talent on Minnesota is far better than those teams right now. So it's all a question of if they're trying to win. And from what I've read, what I've heard, it seems like, you know, the Timberwolves do want to win just because their culture is so bad, right? Like the Rockets fans, they can probably accept a little bit of a rebuild, some tanking going on. Detroit, you know, they're early in the process of rebuilding. But Minnesota, they've been in a constant rebuild for so long that they want to show something. They want to win so that Carl Anthony Towns wants to stay. So again, even if it's just a question of eking out a few more wins more than we'd expected, that could be the difference. If they fall second and the Warriors get the sixth pick, mm, they'd still get somebody decent, but they wouldn't get like a foundational 
piece potentially that they could pair with James Wiseman and say, this is our future. And they couldn't trade that piece, that pick for as much if they wanted to. And then if they fall in third, you're talking seventh pick. I mean, again, so you get the idea. Anyway, just something to keep an eye on. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on that because I don't know. (laughs) The Wolves are the second team I watch the most right now this season. I've become very familiar with their beat writers and uh, and bloggers and Twitter journalists or whatever. The Warriors hit Memphis for a back to back, so we'll see we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they can eke out a few wins in the next week or so. I haven't checked in a while, but you know, still you want them to thread the needle so that they keep their own pick and um, and whatnot. What a strange season, you know. It's always been about like winning as much as possible. And now it's not just about winning, and it's also about development, but it's also about making the playoffs, but knowing that you're not going to really win the title. It's also about making the playoffs, but not with like a top 10 record, potentially, because you want to keep your pick that's owed to OKC in the Ubre trade. Strange stuff. And you also want to appear like you're trying hard. <laughs> anyway, that's why they... They make so much money. That's part of the job, as Steve Kerr would say. But that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out, oaklandwarriors.com. And be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to follow. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society. And check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash National Film Society. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.